This is the word of the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Uh, Today, we're taking a break from our normal series, The Gospel According to Leviticus, and we have a guest speaker. His name is Donald Lee, and he's currently serving as a pastor uh, at Praise Presbyterian Church in New Jersey. Uh, He is the pastor at the English congregation there. Uh, Pastor Donald was born and raised in New Jersey, uh, spent some time in Ithaca, New York for university, and came back down to New Jersey where he's been ministering, pastoring, serving that area ever since. Uh, Pastor Don and I, we actually entered seminary together in 2006, and we graduated together in 2010. Uh, We were close friends, but while we were friends, I realized that he wasn't really interested in me, he was interested in my sister. (laughs) And they got married, (laughs) they've been married for the past 13 years. They have uh, four beautiful children, uh, three daughters, and their youngest is a son. Uh, They've been encouraging me, likewise, to do the same, that we could reverse the fortunes, Um, but no. Uh, And most importantly, though, he's here uh, this morning to bless our congregation with the word of God. And so let's welcome Pastor Don up to the front. Man, um, he's still hurt by that, isn't he? <laughs> Man, after all these years, that you know, we would be over it. But um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I do love you too, Stephen. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, so, so my name is you know Don. Um, um, you know, I've been. Um, I guess it's like so maybe yeah. So um, so I, so I've been my, at my current church for the past eight years. Um, um, I wasn't born in New Jersey. I was born in. Flushing, <laughs> so a couple of details are off, but, um, you know, I have four children, you know, you know, with this beautiful um, woman, um, yes, you know, you know, you know, I really believe that God, you know, really graces pastors, um, because there's no way, if I wasn't a pastor, that God would give me some of that good looking, <laughs> um, so, so, you know, that's my beautiful wife, that's Pastor Stephen's older sister, um, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, a lot of times people think that she's their aunt, or like a relative, um, you know, because none of the cho- none of our children look like her. They all look like me. Um, you know, really, 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 unfortunately, really sad. Um, you know, you know, you know, friends. You know, it's been discontinued. Um, it might come back. Um, Chandler, he says this line in in French. He says about Monica, and he says, you know, I want my children. I know I want our children to have. You know, he's talking to Monica, and you know, I want them to have your eyes, your lips, your nose, your ears, and just my last name. You <laughs> know, and and then and for me, you know, I really wish. You know, our children look more like her and less like me, but, you know, um, you know that's God's will. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, after this, you know, I'll be going to, you know, to my church, um, like, over an hour away. Um, I'm going to actually preach a different sermon there. I'm going to lead a Bible study for over 30 people there, and um, we finish it with a meeting. And, um, you know, though I love doing, you know, you know, these things, you know, a lot of times I wonder, you know, how, how will God, you know, get us through the day? 
um, especially this, this, this big thing, you know, you know, right before I left and came here, you know, my, I checked our Amazon account because, you know, purchase was made, and my wife had bought four of those, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know those, you know, those masks, you know, because of the coronavirus. We have six in our family, so I guess two of us will die, but she bought, she bought, she bought four of them. They were originally $120, and, and then she got it for 12 and, you know, that, that's, that's the thing about my wife. She, um, you know, she's, she, you know, she conserves money so well. You know, I don't know if because they're, you know, they're, you know, she was born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, she can take the two copper coins from the widow and she could turn it into the ten talents. You know, you know combine the two stories together. But, um, you know, the, a, a big thing in the Lee household, because we have so many young children, is that, you know, how will we get through, the, how will we get through this year? You know, especially with, with the virus and everything. You know, I, I think for the rest of us, you know, some of us, you know, the question is not really, you know, how will we get to the end of the year, but... Um, can I make it through the day? You know, and, and as a worship leader was saying that, you know, I really resonate with that a lot. You know, how will we, you know, get, you know, maybe not on Sunday, but, you know, on certain days of the week, you know, how will we get through the day? You know, you may not be asking this question now, but, um, you know, there are days when I'm sure that this question holds true. You know, that, you know, I don't really need strength for um, the rest of my life, but, you know, God, you know, just give me strength for just the day. You know, just help me to get to bed, um, and wake up just for the next morning. And the good news is that in the treasure chest of promises that God gave you, you know, that when you put your faith in Christ, you know, that God didn't just give you, you know, he didn't just give you heaven and forgiveness of sins, you know, but he gives you this massive inheritance for every single day. You know, and he says, here, you know, here, my child, you know, all these things I've given to you are yours. And in this treasure chest, you know, as you open it up, there's a promise that God says that whatever that you need, you know, I'm going to help you through the day. And I promise you that. So we're going to look at this popular passage, you know, in, in Lamentations this morning. Uh, because here is a very powerful promise that God has given to us that, you know, when we get to the evening, you know, we'll be still singing the songs of God. You know, what song of God? You know, in, in this, um, you know, really popular, um, you know, in this really popular passage, you know, you know, there are songs like this, you know, day by day, you know, with each passing moment, strength that finds to meet the trials here. Or, you know, we see other songs, you know, like Great is Thy Faithfulness, you know, based upon this passage. You know, we sing these songs during graduations. We sing these songs during infants' births. You know, we, you know, we sing these songs when, you know, someone turns 60, you know, in, in the Asian culture. You know, it's a big celebration. And, you know, and we sing these you know, songs in times when we're looking back um, and, and we're thinking about the faithfulness of God in all the things that we've, you know, gone to, to come to this great moment in life. And we celebrate God's faithfulness in these moments. But in the original context, it was not a good time. You know, it was not a time of celebration. In fact, it was a time of, you know, great darkness, you know, a lot of brokenness. It was written by, you know, as Pastor Stephen said, you know, the, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. And um, he's often categorized as the weeping prophet because he's, you know, weeping over the brokenness and, and, and the hostility that's happened in his land. And, and, and as Jeremiah, he's, he's writing this lamentation, he's sitting amongst the, the rubble, and it's been maybe like 10 or so years since Jerusalem has been destroyed. And, you know, and, and if you look, and, and if you put ourselves in his feet, you know, and as he's looking around, Jerusalem is this like post, you know, apocalyptic, like zombie, like wasteland. Everything has been ravaged, everything has been torn apart, and he talks about a time, and he's reminiscing, and he, and he just doesn't just see the brokenness of the land of the people. He's thinking about a time, um, you know, where, 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 where he reflects upon the goodness of God. 
Um, in this moment, Israel has been exiled. It's been really bad. Um, there's no food anywhere. There was extreme famine all across the land. Um, babies were dying. Reports are saying that you know, mothers had to even eat their own children in order to live. And so this is the situation of the people of God. And as Jeremiah, he is looking around, you know, the funny thing, you know, instead of moping, instead of grieving, instead of just doing these things, you know, which he does, he remembers, yes, all of that stuff, the affliction, the wandering, the bitterness, the terrible rulers um, that, who wouldn't repent and really put the people into this situation. Um, and he remembers all of this. And yet, you know, in this context, he writes about the faithfulness of God. You know, not when there's celebration, there's jubilee, there's, you know, rejoicing all around. In the midst of the rubble and the smoke and the debris and the, and, you know, and the death all around, it's in this context that he writes about the faithfulness of God. And in the verses, um, the, you know, there are many things, but, you know, at least, you know, in a, in a very typical, you know, Westminster fashion, you know, I want to talk about at least three promises that God gives to us so that we can be singing when the evening song, when the evening comes, you know, as a famous song goes. But before I list them out, uh, I want to share a little quick, quickly about something about Jeremiah and this time of weeping, um, you know, really in, in a time of application. Because one of the most amazing things about Lamentations is how it's structured. You know, four out of the five chapters of Lamentations are, you know, across the poems. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys know what, what that is, but um, it means that, you know, especially if you go through these, through these chapters, it means that every single verse, you know, every single verse starts actually with, um, with, with, with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, and, and Jeremiah, he writes this in this, in this type of order. Um, and I think that's awesome. I think that he, I, it's awesome that he put so much thought into this book of Lamentation. And, and, and do you know why I think it's awesome? Because it tells us that as Jeremiah was weeping, as Jeremiah was thinking about all the things that's happened, is that he put a lot of thought in the expression of his sadness, of these bad feelings, of this guilt, of his lamentations. You know, this tells us that our pain, it doesn't have to be disordered. You know, that our suffering doesn't always have to just end with this woe is me and there is nothing good left and, you know, and you, just, you just punish yourself over what's happening. Our suffering isn't always just random. You can compose all of your hurts, your thoughts, your brokenness in such a way that does bring thought and glory to God the Father who makes sense of it all. See, the lament is a, is, is, is a lost art, right? It's not just this emotional, just like vomiting out but it's a submission, right? It's a submission to the perfecter of our faith in him. And that's what's amazing. And sometimes, you know, when we first, you know, dwell on our sufferings, right? And then we, we let the knowledge of God's promises and truth really infuse, you know, and really combine with our sufferings, you know, you will find that God didn't leave you, you know, in these times of brokenness and loneliness, right? That, that God was always in the midst of all of your suffering all along. That God isn't just randomly, like, spewing out difficult times in your life, but that he's shaping you into a way that sometimes, you know, and, and let's be honest, right? That he shapes you into, you know, into, to be a person in these situations, into ways that you didn't want to be, you know, during that day. And I think that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, Michael Card, he says this. He says that it seems to me that we do not need to be taught how to lament, right? What we need is simply the assurance that we can lament. 
And so what does this mean? You know, because of Facebook, because of Instagram, because of social media, millions of people have been embracing the lament in this unfaithful and this godless way. You know, everyone, it seems like, I mean, you know, when you open up any social media, the news or listen to the radio, it seems like everyone is going through some trial every day, and they're letting the world know of their sufferings. But the biblical lament, right, um, the ones that we see that Jeremiah did, it's processed. It's prayerful, it's humble, it's grace-infused, it's God-seeking, God-glorifying, it's a healing type of prayer. And that's why we can lament to God. It gives us a way to bring the tensions of life into the glory of God. You know, in in the Justice Calling, you know, I read this and and I think it's really helpful for us today. It says, lament is prayer that honors, honors the honest of pain and anger while also honoring the truth that God is the one who reigns and whose chesed love never fails. Lament holds in tension all the suffering that seems to make no sense with the determination to believe that God is just. So lament draws us to God when we are tempted to turn away. Lament enables us to keep moving forward with perseverance in the justice calling. It is a way to remain deeply connected to the God who loves us and loves justice, even when injustice makes us ask the hardest questions of God. That's why I love the book of, you know, um, Lamentations. Um, and, so, and so just, you know, with that, let's, let's, let's go back into the passage. So what is the first point today? Number one is that God's love will keep you from being overwhelmed by your afflictions. That God's love will keep you from being overwhelmed, you know, with all of your fix- afflictions. And imagine um, today, you know, World War III broke out today. Um, you know, not, not only was your home destroyed in the aftermath, but let's, let's, let's say, right, this, this whole building was destroyed, right, wrecked, burned to the ground, right? It's been taken over by this foreign country. Now, Jeremiah, he's thinking about all these things and devastation to his people, and he's sitting in this ash and in this rubble when, when this declaration of faith then comes out from him. You know, when I was reflecting on um, 2019 with all the craziness and the added stress of four children, and when you have, um, you know, the, really the bigger the family you have, you know, um, you know, you tend to be sick a lot more, right? Them being sick all the time, trying to balance ministry, spending time uh, with my family. You know, this, this past, you know, January 1st, um, the one thing, the only thing that I can pray was on New Year's Eve was, God, you know, thank you uh, for being so faithful to us. You know, I don't know what your prayers are like, but I really pray, you know, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that you were there. You know, thank you that, God, that you held on to us. Thank you that you never let us go. Thank you, God, that you never let us down. Thank you because you are good. Thank you because you are true to your promises. You know, that's, that's all I could think about, right? God, you are faithful. You are faithful to my family. You are faithful to my ministry. You know, we're here, you know, in 2020, right? We're standing. We're praying. We're seeking. We want more of you. God, thank you that you are faithful. And, and, and that's what Jeremiah is saying here, right? Because in the midst of the destruction and the ruin, he says in verse 21 to 22, right? But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope is that the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Meaning, if God had withdrawn his love for us, right? If God had taken just even an ounce of his love from us, right? In this moment of suffering and grieving, then he's saying that we would have completely fallen apart. That as a church, that as a family, as even a man, just myself, I would have fallen apart if God had withdrawn his love from me. And Jeremiah says, 
that this would have happened completely to the people of God. Yeah, Jeremiah says, yes, we've been through some hard times, but it's only because of God's love that our afflictions didn't overtake us, overwhelm us, or overcome us. Because do you know why our suffering oftentimes overtakes us? Right? It's because we have this baseline of entitlement. Right? This baseline entitlement that says is that if something bad happens in my life, then it must be God. Then something is wrong with God. That he let me down. Right? That he failed me. That he wasn't true to his promises. I mean, look at what Jeremiah says in his previous verses, right? Remember my affliction. Remember my wanderings, the wormwood, the gall, my soul. It continually remembers all these things, and it is bowed down within me. See, there are many ways that this verse could have played out, a lot of different ways, especially given the nature and the reason why Jeremiah, he brings this verse into the surface. But he doesn't give in to his entitlement, Right, because, you know, as you say next, right, in the next verse he says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Church, what is your baseline? I mean, what is your baseline? You know, as you walk through these doors, what is the baseline that you offer as an offering to God? Right, do you offer to God that, yeah, I'm a pretty good person and therefore pretty good things should happen to me? Or, you know, that if something bad happens to you, there's something wrong with the universe, Or is your baseline that I am a sinner and the wages of sin is death? For I have sinned and I fall short of the glory of God. Because if that is true for you, then this is how you can combat entitlement. Because if something bad happens to me, well then, yeah, that's what you deserve. That's what sin does. But if something bad doesn't happen to me, well, we call that mercy. And if something good happens to me, well, we call that grace. Right? And this is how we combat entitlement in our, in our lives. You know, well, what do you, what do, you do if you know that you're living like this? Um, you know, one thing I always think about is, you know, well, what if I treated my wife the same way I treated my God? You know, so, so once a week, I'll, I'll come to my wife and I'll, and I'll tell her, you know, honey, I love you. Not just, I really love you, right? I'm completely devoted to you. I lift my hands and tell you how much I love you. You know, I will weep because I love you. And I'll make promises this week that I will love with everything that is inside of me. I will read your letters that you wrote to me and I'll spend time with you. I'm going to give you all that I have, all my heart to you. And, and, And what if I just said this on Sunday, but come Monday through Saturday, the rest of the week, I ignore her. You know, she, she would say to me, right, Don, you know, what about your promises? And I say, no, no, honey, don't worry about that. I know that you love me. I'm going to come back to you, and you're going to love me. And next Sunday, I'm going to make these same promises to you. See, that's on a good Sunday for a lot of us in this room. Right? Some of us, we um, come, and we have no desire to sing of these songs of love with any devotion in our hearts, but yet we do it anyway because, you know, because we've been doing it for so long. You know, I love you, yeah, 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 I love you, Diana, you know, that's my wife. And I'll sing this song because, you know, that's what all couples do. But if there's no desire in my heart, you know, how long will my wife stay with me? How long will she say, yeah, this is a great marriage. This is, oh, this is what I've expected when I fell in love with you, right? How long would it last, a week, a month? What if year after year I treated my wife in the same way, Right? To me, it wouldn't be surprising if one day she packed all of her stuff and I came to, home, you know, to, to my home with no one there. I would say to her, 
What's wrong with you? Right? How could you abandon me like that? You're so awful. Woman, are you kidding me? Right? I deserve so much better than that. How can you do this to me after all the Sundays that I've given to you? Right? Don't you know that I gave my life for you? I gave my heart to you. Didn't you hear every single week that I was going to love you? How could you do this to me? I deserve so much better, right? right? I would be a fool to think that, that, that this would be the way, right? I would be a fool to think that she would stay with me if this was my attitude towards her. But that's how we treat God so often, right? That, that we feel entitled that God owes us all these things and why, and, and, and why he doesn't completely answer our, our prayers like in the blink of an eye, right? God... We say, why aren't you pulling for me? Like, like, why are you doing this against me? Why are you doing that to me, oh God? I told you, every week I would go to church. Every week I would, you know, faithfully tithe. Every week I would sing to my songs to you. But this is the culture of entitlement. That you deserve better. That you really do. But here's what the Bible says. Right? The fact that the challenges in your life come to you. It does not mean that God has withdrawn his love from you. In fact, if it were not for his love, I want you to think about what your life would look like today. Right? Let's go back to verse 21 and 22, right? But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope, right? It's the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. His love never comes to an end because they are new every morning. Great are your faithfulness. You see that word, um, you know, chesed, right? The steadfast love. Um, it's the word for God's covenant to love, right? His unfailing love, his promise that he makes to his, his people, his personal people. Um, something that can be counted on no matter what. And that's why it's usually almost always translated as his steadfast love. And that's why we can translate verse 22 up there. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord, it's never, right? Never consumed and it never ceases. And it fits with the next phrase, Right? It's why his mercies never come to an end, right? It's why they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, his compassion, his mercies, that they never fail, right? Think about the moments in your life. Think about the pain, the hardships of your life. Think about if God were not there or if you were able to deplete God's great love and mercies for you, right? Would not many of us have taken our lives already? Can you bear your life without God's love alone? No, it says because of the Lord's great love that we are not consumed. I mean, that's point number one. Second point is found in verse 22, is that, uh, 23, that God will give you what you need in order to make it through the day, right? And that's the second point, and, 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 and that's found in verse 23. His mercies never come to an end, for they are new every mor- mor- morning. You know, I remember reading the story about this mentally, this uh, physically handicapped um, boy named Oliver, um, you know, severe handicaps, really couldn't do anything. Um, his father spent 32 years of his life, you know, caring for Oliver until, um, until Oliver um, sadly you know, passed away. Um, and the people would testify that, you know, even though Oliver was so um, twisted physically and mentally, and um, he, needed his, he needed his dad for everything, right? He, just, he couldn't do anything without his father. Um, is that his father, his family was so willing to do everything for the sake of this one son, and, and, and people would comment on this family, man, you know, I would, I've never seen a family that had so much joy, you know, despite the brokenness and um, by, by, by the condition of their son. You know, I've never seen a family with so much joy in their lives, right? Isn't that crazy how that happens, right? And, and soon after, after Oliver passes away, um, you know, his brother asked, you know, dad, you know, 32 years, how did you do it? 
right? All these years, how did you take care of Oliver, right? I saw you exhausted. I saw you weeping. I saw you broken on your knees. How did you love Oliver for these past 32 years? And this is what the father said. He says, I never thought about the endless succession of tomorrows that I needed to take care of Oliver. I just woke up and I said, do I have what it takes to take care of Oliver today? Will God give me what I need to take care of Oliver for today? And every day I said, yes, he will. So I took care of Oliver the next day, the next day, and the next day. And 32 years later, they became a picture of joy in the face of trials. You see, God gives us what we need to get through the day. Now, please, don't get caught up, you know, as, as, as he said. Don't get caught up in this endless succession of tomorrows, but live each day in the strength that God has given you today, every morning. Go and get that strength. It's, he's never too early. He's never too late to give him. He will give it to you when you need it. Well, then yes, when and how will he give it, right? They are new every morning. Right? They're new every morning, so great is your faithfulness. God has said his mercy is new every morning, every day. So every day, he gives you the strength that you need for that day. And no, God doesn't give you, you, know, you know, two days worth of strength for today. No, you know, every day he will give you enough to make it through that one day. You know, you know just like the manna from heaven. You can't store up it or else the next day it will go bad. You need it fresh every single day. Because what you got through to yesterday, it sure as won't get you what you are going through today. And if you don't constantly go to your father daily, right, 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 it's, it, you know, that's the reason why a powerful sermon or, or words of affirmation, right, that they don't have the same power um, today as it, as it did yesterday. Because, because the mercies are new every single morning. See, what I know in my life is that God never failed me in my yesterdays, and I can always trust him in my tomorrows. It's, it's like the song Ocean by Hillsongs, that you never failed and you won't start now. See, God has been faithful in the days of our lives, right? Why would he say then, oh, it's March 1st, 2020, time to fail, right? That he doesn't say these things. So when you put down your head tonight, the moment that you wake up, God will give you what you need for the next day and the next and the next, right? This is what he's saying. And lastly, point three is that God, not his gifts, is enough for you. And we see this in the very last verse of the passage. Um, It says, the Lord is my portion, you know, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, um, it's not so much maybe nowadays, but, you know, a a, a lot of songs, you know, when I was growing up, you know, they always had this, this line, right? You know, Father, you are my, you know the song? You are my, okay, maybe, maybe it's old song, right? You are the portion in my life, right? So this word portion, you are so pure and so kind. Um, you know, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean that God is my portion? Um, you know, the only time we ever talk about, you know, portion, you know, is, 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 is when, we're, when we're eating a lot, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness, I can't eat too much, right? Right? Um, I'm in a season of, you know, Lent and diet, whatever. I need to exercise portion control, right? right, right. This is how we use the world, right? Um, we, we don't use the word portion in our everyday language anymore, but so many times, you know, when, when you look through the Bible, this word portion, it pops up a lot, right? This word, it comes up a lot in the Bible, um, and, and the Bible is consistent in how it uses this word portion, right? Okay, so, so what does it mean, right? It's not like a portion of cake. 
Um, if you look at the book of Numbers, um, there's a part where the tr- 12 tribes of Israel, they're about to enter into the promised land. And for each of the tribes, right, they get a different portion of the land. Um, but the land was only divided into, I don't know if you guys know, right? It's divided into 11 portions and not into 12. Um, so, so, so who was the one that got left out, right? It, it, was, the, it was the Levites, right? Um, it, it was the priestly line. And so, and so, you know, you can imagine, right? You know, they can say to God, you know, God, you know, what's up? You know, what's up with our portion? And God says, you don't have a portion in the land. Why? Because I am your portion, right? I will satisfy your needs, right? I can give you everything that you need, and I will be more than enough for you in all of your lives. And, and so this is what we're getting to see, right? That through all the hardships, through all the difficulties, the destruction, the devastations, all these things, and all the, the stripping away of our comforts in our lives, it's getting us to a place where we have to, you know, we're forced to ask ourselves, right? Is God really enough for me? Is he everything that I need in my life? Or do I need his gifts? Do I need the other things that, that I'm praying for desperately in my lives? Is he really my portion, or is he not? You know, as I was, um, you know, meditating on this passage earlier this week, you know, I was sitting at home, um, you know, and Chloe, you know, so, so, so Chloe's my middle child, so I have an older child, um, I have Chloe, and I have twins, you know, at, 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 at the very bottom, so she's like, she's really a middle child, right? Um, she asked me, Daddy, can I have applesauce? And, and it was too high for her to reach on the fridge, and so I said, of course, you know, Chloe, I'll get it for you. Um, you know, I, you know I, I, I went to the fridge. I know she likes the strawberry one, so I got a strawberry applesauce. And so as I opened it up, um, I sat her on the breakfast table, and, and, and I thought to myself, this is a good teaching moment for my child. So I said to Chloe, do you love daddy? And I had the, you know, I had the, you know, the pouch in my hand. Or do you love the things that daddy gives to you? She says, I love the things daddy gives to me, right? And she's like, give me the, the strawberry applesauce, right? Oh, man, right? And I thought, man, man, this is it's so funny, right? So I laughed, right? But, uh, okay, she's five years old, you know, she was five. She didn't understand the question. So to make it simpler, like, you know, to eliminate all the rival idols of her heart, right? Um, I said, Chloe, do you love daddy, Right? And she's impatient, right? She's kicking her legs around and says, I love the things that daddy gives to me, right? And she, she's very adamant about that. And so I'm yelling, right, what about me, right? And, and, and I threw the applesauce at her, you know, put it up high back on the shelf, right? You know, get your own applesauce then, right? Um, short girl, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that, right? Um, you know, so, you know, I, I gave her the applesauce and I said, Chloe, I love you even though you don't understand that. Um, you know, that I love you. And, um, you know, and, and afterwards, I thought to myself, you know, I asked God, you know, God, why is my child like that? And God said to me, why is my child, Don, like that? And, and I was like, dang, God, you're funny, right? Um, play me like that, right? No, but, but I really began to wonder, you know, is God really enough? Like, you know, do I love God even though he doesn't give me the things um, that I want. Do I love God, you know, if you're a student, you know, and um, here, you know, do I get, do I love God if I don't get the grades that I want? Do I love God when all my prayers for my family um, don't seem to come true? Is he enough for me when everything before me looks like it's lying in ruins? Um, is God enough? And so I ask you, church, is he enough for you? Uh, man, I'm, at many times in my life, you know, um, I've, I've really felt like um, you know, I need you, God, and something else. 
right? And, 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 and I repent, right? And I want God to be my everything, right? And I'm sure you do too. Um, that if I had nothing other than God alone, then th- that would be enough for me. That I don't need applesauce from God, right? I don't need uh, perfection in my life. That I just need my Father in heaven. That, that's all I need. That's all I could ever ask for. That I'm a work in progress, and I admit it. And some days, it is harder than other days. But as long as I seek God every single morning, I know that the promises um, states that His mercies and His love will be new every single morning for me, every time. Now, how will we know that to be true? And the answer is hidden actually in verse 22. Um, because when it says, the chesed of the Lord never ceases, mercy never come to an end. Um, you, know, we, we, you know, we spend like a second breaking down the word chesed, but um, it's actually in this word, mercies. Um, that gives us the greatest indication of God keeping his promises. You know, this word mercy, sometimes translated as compassion, um, this word is actually plural. You know, to get to this word mercy, it's actually pluralized. But the singular form of this word, if you take the singular form of the word um, mercy, it's called compassion, it actually is the word for, for the word womb, right? Like, you know, like, 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 like a mother's womb. You see, here in Lamentation, you know, Jeremiah, he has in mind the tenderness of God, right? And we know that the womb, right, the womb is, a, is, is the birthplace of the baby, right? It's the most tender place for the baby, a place of love and compassion. Um, you know, the womb is a place where the baby knows of the faithfulness and the compassion of the mother and most intimately, right? The womb is this physical source, right? Um, yeah, so that's the word, right? Um, it's, it's, it's the physical source of this place, right? And actually in some places that we see, um, um, you know, so here we see, right, um, Genesis 40 and 25, the blessing of the breast and of the moon, it's that same word, just in singular form. And so we see that the womb, for any child, right, it's this place where there's so much love and so much um, um, hope and so much mercy, right? And as children of God, his compassion, his love are the sources of faithfulness to you as well. That God will be as compassionate to you when you fall on hard times in the same way that a pregnant mother will show compassion to her baby. But unlike the womb of the mother, right, we know that for every child, they're there only for nine and a half months maximum. The difference between the womb of a mother and the, and, and the, and the, and the compassion of God is that God's compassion never ends. How do we know this to be true? You know, because we know that God's compassion starts a little dark, but God's compassion did manifest itself, right? That God's compassion did manifest itself in the womb of, Ma- of, 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 of the mother Mary, the virgin Mary. You know, among so many different reasons, right? Why was Jesus born? Right? Why did Jesus have to come? And one of the things that we see is that it was to display the fullness of God's compassion to the world. That, that if you're here today and you're going through times of grieving and stress and financial difficulties and your children aren't listening and, and you've given up hope and all these things, that the that scripture says is that Jesus, he understands and he went through every temptation just to understand you. Is that the compassion of God came down in physical form. It came down in the womb of a woman. And compassion lived and breathed and suffered and died for you. Because out of the plurality of his compassion, God created the singular expression of his love in the womb. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, so many times we can't quantify or make compassion tangible. But the amazing thing of God is that in his infinite wisdom, 
He made compassion tangible, and he made it for you. If, is there anyone that's struggling in this room? If there's anyone that has uh, been broken down by, you know, by this life, you know, my encouragement to you um, is, you know, is to look at the baby in the manger. The compassion did come, is here, and will always be there for you till the end. Let's pray.